0: welcome to on the flip side a podcast where we break down the seven habits of highly effective people my name is lindsay i'm one of your podcast hosts and i'm here with amanda from command prompt yay yay
1: everybody
0: (laughs) and we are so excited to have you here with us today today we're discussing chapter two begin with the end in mind which personally is one of my favorites Um, And something that I think everyone could benefit from thinking about. So, Amanda, our favorite topic, funerals. That's where Covey starts this.
1: Our absolute favorite topic. If you're going to (laughs) talk about the end in mind, you're going to talk about your funeral. And that's exactly what this chapter starts with, ends with, and talks about. And something that we don't really talk about in day-to-day life very much and I happen to know that my dear friend Lindsay has her funeral planned out to a tee whereas mine is nowhere to be seen in my purview outside of when I read this book so Lindsay tell me about your funeral so I can learn
0: yes so I don't know how uh much you're going to be able to take from this but I am professionally an events planner Um, And and I look at my funeral as sort of the last party. So I have a lot of thoughts about how I want to essentially go out. Um, (laughs) I obviously want there to be lots of tears. I want everyone to be in their feelings. I've discussed this with my husband many times, and it's not his favorite topic. Um, But I actually in all seriousness, do have a living will um, that I update every year. And I have, as part of that, a handwritten funeral plan down to a run of show with my requested foods. There's going to be a lot of pickles, um, a lot of vinegary, briny things. Um, I want specific people to have to say specific things. Um, and hopefully that will be a nice sign off from me. They'll all know why I asked them to say it. Um, and as cliche as the sounds, I generally want it to be more of a party, um, and a celebration of my life and my relationships and the people that I love. So Covey starts this chapter. Um, with a really intense exercise where you walk into a funeral of a loved one and you drive there and you see other people who you know and love at at the parlor and then you look down on the casket and it's you. And he tells you four people are going to be speaking from different parts of your life. Consider what you want them to say. Um, and he challenges the readers to really take the following question seriously, and it's, how do you want to be remembered? Do you have, well, no plan around your funeral. Do you have any thoughts on that, Amanda?
1: It's hard. It, It evolves, right? When I was younger, it was something completely different than it is now, and right now, you know, hearing about yours and how planned it is, you know, I'm either wanting to copy it a little bit and have a lot of pickles and briny things at my funeral or I would morbidly but sweetly like you to die first so that I can enjoy <laughs> your party um, but really it's it, it evolves and it, it really I guess boils down when you look at it into like what do you want to be remembered for and what are those things look like and what that plays into like what success looks like for you as a human. Um, And I know that some people have that figured out and they plan their whole life based on those things, but other people, you know, it really, it evolves as you grow and as you change. Um, And mine is more of a evolving and I have a few things in mind, but I know for you, it's pretty, there's a couple things that just always come back to you.
0: Yeah. Um, and frankly, I, I would, when we, when we did this reading exercise, when we read this book and talked about it daily, I marked up the book uh, so much. It's covered in sticky notes and notes and, um, you know, highlighted passages. And one of the things I wrote down in the margins beside that exercise were two words and i you know have reread this chapter in preparation for this episode and i read them and it was like oh yeah that's right um and the two words i wrote down were fun and empathy which frankly are my two core drivers um everything ladders up to those two things so Um, I think you could call those my North star in terms of how I live my life day to day.
1: How, after reading this, and really this comes from Kobe, not necessarily our experience, but we're going to throw our experience in there too. Mm -hmm. um, How would we recommend that people, you know, follow their North star?
0: Well, I think one, even if it is evolving, You have to have a sort of end game in mind, a a sort of picture of what your funeral, as morbid as that might sound, will look like and why people are going to be there um, and the feelings they're going to be left with.
1: Which is, yeah, which is uh basically boils down to making a proactive effort about your funeral like you do right instead of letting it be the default like it'll happen when it happens it's somebody else's problem i'm not going to have any input into that because you know it's it's too far in the future or that kind of invincible feeling of you know you're either never going to die or you don't
0: have a say mhm mhm one of the ways kove actually talks about this, is the notion of creating twice. So, you know, um, actually, I'm sure, Amanda, your husband would know, measure twice, cut once. (laughs) And and I think at some level that applies to the way that we create our lives and our legacies. I think, well, Covey thinks, you create it once in your mind, you come up with the concept, and then you create it a second time by putting all of that into practice does that make sense
1: yeah it, it's essentially a blueprint right the the phases mm-hmm. of building a house mm-hmm. you have to have a blueprint in order to build a house or else you have one wonky house mm-hmm. uh, but you also you have to go through the process of being proactive about it Um, And you have to have the self-awareness to question, like, what exactly do you want in that house? What Mm -hmm. problems is it trying to solve? Um, What is your future going to look like so that you can plan for that, right? And if you don't have that blueprint and you don't take the time to have that self-awareness, you're you're not going to end up with a house.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you're going to end up with a structure that's probably unlivable. But all of this isn't to say that things can't change and evolve over time. You know, how I thought my life would look now five or 10 years ago is completely different than the way it turned out. And frankly, that's for the best, but... <laughs> Weren't you supposed to be a lawyer? <laughs> I, I was. I was actually supposed to be a lawyer, but to quote Covey, I broke my script. So, ooh, me more right? So he has this theory that, you know, when we're kids, we're all sort of handed a script and we're molded by our families, our circumstance, our communities. Um, And that, that has a big hand in creating our worldview and forming our worldview as children and young adults. And personally, I was scripted, molded, to be a lawyer. My father looked at what my gifts were, where where my brain excelled and where it struggled, and basically came to a very early conclusion of being a lawyer would be a great fit for me. I'm highly verbal, as I'm sure you've all picked up at this point. Um, mm-hmm. I like to logic my way through things. I'm not afraid of a fight. And he thought attorney. He thought attorney, attorney, attorney. Um, So I I went down that path. I chose the college that I thought would set me up for success in law school. And I started down the pre-law path and I immediately realized that while it might look right on paper, it did not feel like home. Um, I knew I would be a miserable lawyer very, very quickly um, in that process. Probably good at it,
1: but but definitely just miserable on the inside.
0: Yeah, and I deserved, I, I even knew as like a 19-year-old, I deserved to not be miserable at work. Did I know what it was like to have a full-time job? No. But did I think I was too good to be miserable all the time? Yes. And you know what? I Don't was we right. all. <laughs> I was right. And so I ended up having to break the script that I was given about going into law. But I do also think that part of the scripting, the molding uh, that my family did set me up for success in sort of figuring out what else my skills could be used for. I ended up studying art and film, which my father used to call popcorn and crocheting classes. Ooh, I know, I ended up moving to New York to work in art galleries where I immediately fell into events and if you want to talk about a career where you are consistently problem solving where you have to be a good communicator um, where you are constantly you know working through unforeseen issues that that's that's the career you know so I had to redirect myself um, in sort of my late teens and early 20s to leverage the gifts that I have that my family was always aware of and merge them into something that would put me on a path to not only success, but happiness.
1: And the reality, I mean, for all of us is that even if we have to redirect, which I'm sure most of us do from our Mm -hmm. childhood programming and our conditioning of wherever we're at in life is that we're really impacted by both. You know, it's kind of nature and nurture. It's the environment and it's our genetics. And, you know, we often have to break the script, but sometimes that's, you know, great. And sometimes we take bits and pieces of it Mm -hmm. and move forward with it. But I mean, with the busyness of day to day and, it being in especially in the US where at least for us, it's like this this feeling of productivity equals your worth. you know it's like how do we how do we go from there? How do we remove the blinders that we have on to see what our actual like what we're actually seeking and how do we see the scripts that other people have put in place for us and how do we redo that like you did?
0: Yeah. And the truth is, I didn't even realize what I was doing while I was doing it. I just knew I didn't want to be a lawyer. And I I think you hit on something really important there. And that like, in the States, especially our worth is dictated by our productivity. But like, maybe we should take a step back and question what productivity is. Um, Covey talks about you know, the difference between leadership and management and uses this great analogy of being in a jungle. So managers will start hacking down a jungle and will make great progress. They'll be doing, you know, loads and loads and loads of work, but a leader might take a step back and say, oh shit, is this the jungle we're supposed to be chopping trees down in? It's, it's a larger, uh, Perspective, I guess you could say. So I, I feel like when it comes to productivity, what we should really be saying is not, are we at inbox zero, but rather, you know, are we on the right path? Are we in the right jungle?
1: And it's it's really easy with all of the screens that we have in front of us and with the instant gratification that management type tasks give you, right? I mean, I can spend all day... Uh, checking emails and responding, but what am I actually accomplishing Mm -hmm. if I'm in the wrong jungle, if I'm in the wrong job, if I'm in the wrong environment, if I need to make changes that actually nourish, you know, not to sound cheesy, but nourish my soul and nourish who Mm -hmm. I am so that I'm not miserable deep down when I sit by myself and I'm away from all of those distractions. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the busy work is just, it's so overwhelming and it's like, we're in this constant cycle and unless you take leadership of your own life, um, sometimes, you know, you wake up when you're 60 or 70 years old and you're like, well, what did I accomplish? And uh, sometimes you're older. And I think one of the things that really hit home for me, and I think for you too, is how important it is to really see that as a young adult, as somebody who's, you know, who's got some experience under their belt, but also has a full career ahead of us, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we're what, 10, 12 years into our careers. Um, So I think it's just enough time to have something to say and also plenty of time to learn. So I always go back to emails as either an effective tool for something or as busy work. And Kobe calls it being in the thick of thin things. So, (laughs) right. You could be busy, 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 go, 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 go. And if all you're doing is being reactive to other people's messages and not proactive Mm -hmm. in terms of planning, Are you really being productive or are you just really good at doing busy work? Yeah, and that,
1: you know, it comes back to what is the right jungle for you?
0: Are Mm -hmm. you there?
1: Um, And that comes down to, uh, you know, your scripted memory and your scripts that you have versus living imaginatively and kind of an epiphany i had during this is that i had this it was like autopilot where i lived in the management side of getting things done Mm -hmm. to the point where it took over and i forgot to listen to my intuition and Mm -hmm. i forgot to really think about the future Um, And I don't think that it's necessarily like a fault of mine or something I was doing wrong. I think that it's conditioning of the way that, and I'm not trying to blame. I'm trying Mm -hmm. to think objectively of how I got here, you know, Mm -hmm. because you are a product of everything that you're around if you don't have your definition of success if you don't have your own personal mission statement, if you don't have your own idea of what your funeral wants to look like and who you want to be when you die. You know, you get so caught up in this stuff that you don't live imaginatively um, and you don't live productively.
0: So correct me if I'm wrong, in order to do this, Covey talks about three pillars that sort of in our prep for this discussion I think you have a really strong grasp on so can you talk us through sort of the three pillars for expanding your worldview and ensuring that you are living imaginatively
1: <laughs> well i'm i'm still a, a baby imaginer um <laughs> and i think i i don't want to say that i'm a pro at all but what he did say really resonated and it, it, it comes down to three things, you know, proactivity, imagination, and conscience. Um, and with proactivity, it's, it's meaning that you're, it's knowing that your actions, uh, will make a difference in your life in the future. And it's taking the right steps for your success and knowing that success is not anybody else's definition of success. Success is success with self.
0: Say it again for people in the back.
1: (laughs) Success is success with self. I mean, it's, it's, are you happy with your decisions? Are you pleased with, you know, your Mm -hmm. physique? Are you happy with the way that you are spending your days? Like, are you energized to, to get up in the morning or do you just sit there and delay and delay? And it's just like, it's the same thing every day. And we're not, we're definitely not saying that, uh, life doesn't throw curveballs at everybody it absolutely does but on the flip side you also have the choice to be proactive and with proactivity there's a lot of baby steps that goes involved and with imagination you know it's it's giving yourself the permission to dream it's giving yourself i guess the the encouragement and the time and believing that you are worthy of having a future and it's not based on everybody else and everybody else's uh box that they want to put you in you know it's it's what you want for you and it's you know i i'm a stepmom and i absolutely adore children but you know one of the things that i've heard a lot about from parents especially is and moms is you know i can't live my dreams anymore because my future is now my children and Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot that goes into that statement but i think that it's extremely limiting to not realize that you still have a purpose and you still have a life and you still have the choice to be proactive and uh imagine a future for yourself with your kids of course but there's there's so much. And um, with conscious, conscience, it's taking the time to actually see that for your future. To believe that as a possibility instead of a what-if scenario. All of this is about what matters most to you. And we get stuck in this cycle of being buried under layers and layers of problems. And when we do that, it leads to us being reactive. Um, Mm -hmm. And when we're more self-aware, you know, we realize our potential and we can make those proactive choices to change. One thing that uh, he says, what Stephen Covey says that I really relate to as a Spoonie is- um, Can you unpack what a Spoonie is for our audience? uh, <laughs> a, a spoonie is essentially uh, an individual who has one or more conditions that um, restricts them, restricts their energy bank. One way that I really like to imagine it is like a character on a video game who has to spend mana in order to cast spells or whatnot, or who has like nine hearts, and every time they get injured, uh, they have to wait for those hearts to be. Uh, filled again. Well, with a Spoonie, you start out with less hearts and it takes a lot longer for them to recharge. Um, And so everything that is done by a Spoonie just takes uh, more time, more energy than it would a normal human. Um, And I have, you know, I consider myself one, I have various conditions. um, And what Stephen Covey says that really Uh, resonated around this part is, we are limited, but we can push back on the borders of our limitations. An understanding of the principle of our own growth enables us to search out correct principles with the confidence that the more we learn, the more clearly we can focus the lens through which we see the world. As someone who is constantly told by the world that I am limited because I am different, This is enabling and encouraging.
0: That's a pretty powerful statement. I mean, it's what, like two sentences, but that pretty succinctly sums up everything we've been talking about. I mean, everyone is born inherently with some boundaries or borders around them, but we, through our imaginations, um, through our self-awareness and proactivity, get to decide whether or not we live in the box we were given, um, and either way, we're able to push back and explore. I mean, I don't think that the box that we're given is necessarily inherently bad. You know, um, it's not inherently limiting, but it also just might not be the box that we would choose, and sort of similarly to being a Spoonie and, you know, the fact that the box you've been given says you may be limited. Covey actually turns around and says, well, not really. You, you get to decide how and where and when and why and what you, you get to be, what is it? The master of your own universe.
1: (laughs) Not that the universe revolves around you, but that you do get to be the master of you.
0: Yeah, tell that to our pets. <laughs> no, I'm too afraid to. <laughs> we might not wake up tomorrow. <laughs> it might be early funerals. Um, so, I guess I better get to planning. <laughs> right? Right? Um, so I guess my question here is, what's the point? Of all of this. I mean, I think we've talked about boundaries and imaginations and, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a lawyer, but it wasn't right for me. But what is, what is this all ladder up to?
1: Well, I think you, I think you really said it, um, a couple seconds ago before we got distracted by our fur babies. Um, you know, but to, that you have the choice to be in control of your universe and that doesn't mean that you control all of the meteors that get thrown your way Mm -hmm. right it's it's that if you take the time um and one of the ways that kobe suggests doing this is through a personal mission statement which i'll touch on in a moment but um if you take the time to have your own foundation there's a sense of security and power that you know, you're not going to have if you live your life reactively. Um, you know, you and I have been through it many, many times where, you know, we'll call each other and it's just like, nom, 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 nom. you know, this person did this to me and it's it's a reactive kind of. And the moment that we take a step back and we're like, well, what does this actually mean? And how does this how does this actually affect my sense of agency? Um that's the moment where true power over self, true self control, true self awareness has a moment to grow. And that's the moment where you become much more one with yourself and not a byproduct.
0: Yeah, I think
1: oh. go ahead. <laughs> mission statements. <laughs> go ahead.
0: Now let's go to mission statements. Talk to me about mission statements because I think it's telling, I think it's really telling that I have my funeral planned down to the readings and my outfit and which shoes I'm gonna wear. But when it comes to talking mission statement, there's something in me that inherently goes, nope, not gonna discuss that. It feels (laughs) too definite, but you have pretty clear mission statements yourself and your life um but you know lord knows what your funeral is going to look like
1: you know it's it's intriguing how we flip-flop you know Mm -hmm. and that's that's one of the reasons why we call this on the flip side because i wonder if the reason that i don't really struggle with a mission statement as much is because i uh, we're both control freaks but um I think that I am in this phase of just trying to only control what I can, um, which comes back to our circle of influence from chapter one. Right. Um, And our, I'm, I'm really trying to focus on what I can do anything about. And that is just me, right? That's how I Mm -hmm. respond to things. That's how I impact the world in my tiny, tiny space. Mm -hmm. And for me that. It's with a mission statement it's about uh, a collection of statements that really defines how you believe you're going to you should act in you know different circumstances and how you should um, compose yourself but also things that you will put boundaries around and for a long long time I wouldn't even say that I had boundaries because I was trying so hard to be a people pleaser and trying so hard to be a good person in the eyes of everybody around me except myself. Um, and how that differs from you is that, uh, you know, I don't know exactly where you're at with your, you know, control, uh, giving up and circle of influence and that type of thing, but I do know, um, that you are a much more You know i have to have things controlled in these specific areas but in these other ones it's just like we're gonna go with the flow and i'm gonna do that like a rock star and i know that i'm going to do that like a rock star at least that's on the surface level how it looks right Mm -hmm. whereas personally i have to like go through everything in my head in order to not panic and i always almost always tend to panic but i'm in this process of trying to completely change that okay. um, and so it, it makes me wonder you know is it somewhere in there or am i completely off and something entirely different
0: so then i guess my question for you about mission statements is is it law this this is where i get rigid um uh, because you're right. I very much pick and choose where I'm going to be high strung and otherwise I'm happy to generally go with the flow. Um, And that is thanks to some very, very good therapists. Um, (laughs) It's true. But when I think of a mission statement, I worry, I think that if I write it down and then I screw up, does that make the mission statement nil? Am I allowed to screw up? Is that part of the process? Like that's, that's where I get stuck, I think.
1: Yeah. And I, I hear you. And I think that before I had gone through what I'm currently going through of, you know, trying to not control things that I have no power over, um, I would have been in the same boat. Um, what I have really learned through reading this and through personal reflection is nothing is unbreakable and with a mission statement the purpose I think is to is to go through the process because it changes you in a way that most things don't. Um, It makes you think through, you know, your priorities very carefully to make sure that what you do say reflects all of you. and it, it, it reflects your beliefs back to you. And the moment that you have that written down is a moment that other people start to see it in you. And when we have become products of our environment, we tend to, when we're around different people, reflect different things, right? When you're around your husband, you mm-hmm. may be a different person than you are when you are around your father. Mm -hmm. Right. And the moment you put down a mission statement is the moment that you are stating to yourself, this is who I am. And it's not necessarily about, uh, you're being a bad person if you break it. Right. It's a, if you change it, it's a reflection of what you're choosing to do. That's not who you say you are in this mission statement. And that's an opportunity for self-compassion, right? And reflection and saying, what about this situation that I put myself in is against who I am inside, is against my moral compass Mm -hmm. and my value set.
0: So it almost sounds like a mission statement, while that feels like a big, hairy, scary thing for me, is really just the foundation that I'm building And that I strive to build up from. Um, Which, you know, I'm, I know we prepped for this, but I'm putting this together IRL. While not built out, maybe my mission statement is all about empathy and fun. Like maybe, maybe those are the two pillars that I work towards no matter what. And while that might look different when I'm interacting at work or in my personal life, I will say that those are two consistent, consistent things that I, that I strive for and that I'm always aware of. So maybe your mission statement can just be two words. One great
1: example uh, in the book from a, an executive is very simple my mission is to live with integrity and to make a difference in the lives of others. And to fulfill this mission, you know, there's some sub bullet points. Uh, I have charity. I sacrifice, I inspire, and I am impactful. Right. Mm. I mean, it's very basic, but it's so incredibly deep.
0: You know what I'm realizing now, you know what I'm realizing truly right now in this moment is that a mission statement isn't about changing yourself to be quote unquote better. It's about identifying what's most valuable to you and why. And it's just essentially trying to optimize for the best version of yourself. It's not changing who you are. Huh! Yeah. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. This is starting to feel like a therapy appointment too, but this is, this is really good. A lot less hairy and scary for me. And then thinking out loud here, you know, it allows you to know yourself better by asking those questions. And then, Shouldn't your mission statement have a really strong impact on your funeral and what that looks like <laughs> and the things people say about you? You would hope. Absolutely. Yeah, right? And then that's how we should define success. hmm Huh.
1: And in a roundabout way, I mean, if you genuinely take the time – to think about what you want for your funeral, what you want those people to say, um, and what you want it to look like,
0: you will find your definition of success. Mm. So once again, a lot this episode, which listeners, welcome to our experience of reading this book. Um, and we've been sitting with this for a lot of time. We've done a lot of discussion internally about it. And we're still having breakthroughs. I guess I'm wondering, with the whole mission statement as sort of a through line from you today to your funeral, I think I'm going to ask you again, Amanda, what does your funeral look like? What are people saying?
1: Well, your epiphany actually made me realize something. And that's within a program that I've been a part of this fall, called the Thriving Spoonie Pathway, Um, one of the activities that we had to do was put together our joy code. And it's essentially four words that you need every day involved in your life in order to not only feel fulfilled, but to get back to that place of uh, harmony and rest. And for me, Through your epiphany, I realized that these could be my mission statement, too. Um, And for me, they're wellness, fitness, pleasure, and spirituality. And within those, I have a whole bunch of other things of what that means. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the context of a funeral, I mean, I want people to remember joy. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily have an idea of a party yet um but i want i want people to to joy and for it not to be about me necessarily but about the relentless way that i want other people to know and feel that they are worthy of love no matter what um and that they can find delightfulness in life uh you know especially in the small things if they allow themselves to uh and that's really what matters most to me
0: Hmm. so I feel like the actual recording here was more productive for both of us than any of the reading or the prep work or previous (laughs) discussions
1: (laughs) well what's great about Covey too and I think that he said this in the first part of the book is his challenge to readers is to live it and teach it right? Mm -hmm. Because the moment Mm -hmm. you start talking about something and you're trying to educate other people and open their eyes to the power of something is the moment that it, it, it's like it roots in you because you Mm. yourself are trying to deeply understand it.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think these little epiphanies we had today, I mean, I, I feel like my funeral is very tactically planned down to the run of show. Um, but I'm walking away with this with a very clear feeling from your funeral and I think it's beautiful not just saying that because you're my friend <laughs> yours has pickles though <laughs> yes and it also has quotes from books that everyone but me hates so it's going to be it's going to be a party I'll um, have Amanda send out an announcement to everyone if if and when it happens so you wanna you wanna take us out, Amanda? Do you wanna tell us what's coming down the pike? Well, hopefully next week
1: we will record uh, episode three, and uh, with that, this has been on the flip side, chapter two of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. We're Lindsay and Amanda, and we hope you will take some time to reflect on what matters most to you. Thanks for listening.
0: Cheers.